So yeah, we've been looking at the letter to the Philippians, and uh, the last couple of times we looked at uh, Paul's history with the Philippians, his situation at the present time, which is in, he's, he's in a prison, he's chained to a Roman guard, um, and, and we also uh, looked at what Paul meant when he addressed the, the church in Philippi as saints. So uh, they're, they're the last couple of things we look at. And before I go any further in this letter, I think it would be really good to just give you an overview so you just know what's going on in it, and then we can kind of dive through it properly. So, so I want to give you a, an overview of what it's about and how it's put together. Okay? So this, this letter is teeming with lots of brilliant content. It's, it's, it's really, really good. But it is really different to like a book like Romans, for example. Romans is very thought out. It's very structured. It's got, it's got an argument. It's got like a clear like, start and end point. And, and, and that is not this. Okay? This, is, this is not an argument. This is, a, this is a heartfelt letter to a group of close friends. Okay? And as such, it's filled with joy and thankfulness and random trains of thought, as you would if you write your own letter or emails these days, of course. Um, and and in, it, there are, in it, there are several themes, several main themes, which are knitted together and they run throughout the whole thing. Okay? And they pop up here and there, and sometimes you get them in big chunks, so it's really obvious. Other times, they're just kind of in the background, but they're, they're there. You know? uh, and the main themes are roughly this. So our main themes are... Unity, partnership and participation, persecution, right living, God's work in our lives, and joy. Now, despite it not being a theological argument, and it's just kind of um, whatever, there is some structure to this letter, as as hopefully structure to every letter, Uh, but the structure is still really important, okay? So you're going to have to put up with this interesting presentation I did in a second. So, okay. So right in the middle of the letter is a poem about Jesus. Great art. Um, okay. And this poem uh, talks about his coming to earth, his life on earth, his death, his resurrection, and his glorious ascension to heaven, where he now sits on the throne ruling over all things and uh, waiting for that final day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when it says every, that includes his enemies. They will be subject to him too. So, so, so that it's, it's all about Jesus, basically. And, and this poem is central, okay? It's not just in its physical position in the letter. It's literally pretty much in the middle of it. But it's, it's, it's central in its importance too. It not only expresses Paul's belief about who Jesus is, but every other thing written in the letter comes out of it, okay? It flows out from that poem. It's like the roots, of a, it's like the roots and the trunk of a great tree, Right? And every other bit of information, just the branches, you know, so it's all just connected to the, to the roots and this, and this trunk. Uh, in, our, in our knitting example, um, it's kind of the ball of wool itself, and every thread you pull will lead back to this poem about him. Okay? This is because he is our primary example of how we should live, and is the reason we are Christians in the first place. It says that in Jesus' life that he is the vine and we are the branches. And if we are of him, then we serve him. And if we serve him, then we follow him wherever he goes in the way we live our lives. And if we are in him in that way, then we have confidence that we have eternal life. Okay? Um, <laughs> that's a, it looks a bit more crazy, that thing up there now. But that's, that's a better drawing than obviously what I did. Um, that's by the Bible Project. Actually, I remembered... Random scrap of paper. 
I remembered a, uh, a quote that I really liked. Uh, this is from Tim Mackey, who does the Bible Project, and it says, uh, uh, Paul takes up key words or ideas from this poem that I just mentioned to show how in each of the, the sections, each, each other bit of the letter, it, it shows that living as a Christian means seeing your own story as a lived expression of Jesus' story. I like that quote. It's a good quote. Okay, cool. Now, this letter... It could very well be titled, I think, um, How to Live as a Christian. Okay? That's kind of the theme, that's the content of this letter. Maybe subtitled and answered uh, in this way, by the example and the help of Jesus. Okay? So, so that's what I think is like what this letter is really about. Okay? And the rest of the structure is pretty much this. Okay? So you've got the, the first two verses of this greeting. Okay? Uh, we've looked at this previously in, in the last two times, okay? And, uh, and Paul expresses his thanks and his gratitude to them, and he, and, he, and he highly commends them and prays that their love and their good works will, will, will continue and increase more and more. Okay, so that's the first part. Then he talks about his situation in Rome, okay, as a prisoner, his possible execution, and, as well as its results among the other Christians in Rome at the time, Okay? And straight after this, and even because of it, he then encourages the Philippians to live a life worthy of the good news of Jesus, despite their persecution, uh, especially encouraging them to resolve any disputes that are amongst them and just get along. Okay? Next, we have the, the poem about Jesus, the central poem, which gives the main reason behind everything he says and will continue to speak about. Um, straight after the poem, he gives two examples of godly men. Timothy, which is his lifelong partner in the work of the gospel, and Epaphroditus, um, whom the Philippians have sent to Paul to help him, okay? uh, who's actually with him at this current point as well. He, he encourages the Philippians basically to follow their example in faith and living. Then he kind of have this random moment in chapter 3. Uh, he kind of changes. Now, some people think it's because that Philippians isn't just one letter, they think it's actually a a few letters that are joined together. Um, uh, uh, Whereas others will argue, no, it is one letter, but Paul's interrupted by something at that point in time, like the changing of the guard or something like that. But either way, Paul changes his line of thought at chapter 3, and and he starts talking about, and he gets quite passionate about it, he starts talking about circumcision, the Jews, and the law, and his own personal testimony as well, uh, as well as some encouragement from that uh, in order to build them up more and, 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 and calm their fears and stuff like that, before returning back to the main theme of his letter, or the main themes. Then, after that random sideline, which is really good anyway, um, uh, Paul then addresses two particular people who had a falling out. And he urges them to reconcile. And after this, he begins to wrap it up with some further encouragement to live out what he has spoken about. And then thanks them again at length for their hospitality to him and their ongoing support, praying that God will uh, continue to provide for them too, since they've provided for him. And then he wraps it up with his usual greetings from himself, the Christians in Rome. And, uh, and he, sends, he ends the letter with his, with his blessing, really. So, so that's, that's kind of it. That's kind of like the basic structure, just running through it like that. Okay, but today, we're, we're going to pick up the letter from where we last left, off, last left off, which is at the greeting, and we're going to just pick up one of its main themes, okay, and kind of see where that goes. Okay. So, one very prominent theme in this letter is joy. Okay? It's joy, okay? The, the Greek words for joy, which are hara, uh, hero, and sihero, occur no less than 16 times in this letter. 
Okay, uh, John MacArthur, uh, a Bible scholar and preacher, he goes so far as to dub this letter the Epistle of Joy. Okay, and many other biblical scholars totally agree. Agree, it's absolutely teeming with, with joy and happiness and all that. Okay, it speaks about joy and what God has done and is doing and what He will do. But mostly, they're used in a way that we often find inconsistent with what we believe about joy. Okay, um, it speaks of joy in difficulty. It speaks of joy under pressure, a joy in loneliness, joy in physical pain. Uh, joy under threat of death, joy in work, which is probably worse than physical pain sometimes, right? Uh, <laughs> just kidding, okay? Um, joy in striving to live a righteous life. Um, joy in resisting temptation to sin, okay? None of those situations particularly shout joy to me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but they don't, they don't shout joy to me. Uh, and they don't shout joy, joy to most of us, really. They instead probably make us feel words more like hard, Tough, depressing, sad, scary, boring, tiring, you know? And, and, and this is because we often relate our happiness and joy to our circumstances, okay? We, we relate it to what happens to us, you know? We're, we're happy when, when things are going well. Of course we are. Of course we are, you know? When there's a nice day, when we spend time with a good friend... You know, when we, when we get our paycheck, when our boss, uh, bosses actually thank and appreciate our work that day. By the way, that's not for you, David, if you're listening. You're amazing. Um, <laughs> he is, by the way. It's just I remember what it's like to have, you know, that sort of boss in my old job. But, but, but yeah, you know, basically, you know, if all is well, you are happy. Okay, that's usually the way it goes. But if it's not, if something's wrong, you're not happy. Okay, it's usually the way it goes. You know, sometimes you can be sour for the whole day just because of one thing. You know, it's the way it is. But but here's the thing: Paul, in his letter here, is saying that this should not be the case. Okay, and you mustn't forget that Paul at this time is chained to a Roman guard. Okay, he is waiting to see if he'll be executed. Okay, there's no real joy in his current situation. Okay, he's undergone beatings, harsh treatment. He was on the way to Rome, being escorted there. He was shipwrecked, you know, um, and you know he's about to send. And, and at the moment, Timothy's with him. But he, he, in the letter, it says later that he's about to send him away. So he's going to be all alone again. You know, he's not able to go to church or anything like that. He is locked in a room with a guard. Okay, he's not in a good moment. And he's talking to the Philippians, who he knows are also struggling at the moment. You know, under persecution. You know? And yet this is what he says. He says, in all this I rejoice. I rejoice in this. And then he tells them also to rejoice. And again I say rejoice. You know? Yeah. Rejoice in this. See, joy and happiness for Paul is not based on circumstance. That's the thing, okay? He, he says later in the letter, I've discovered the secret behind having plenty and having nothing. Christ gives me strength, he says. Do you get that? Yes. It's, not, it's not based on his circumstances, it's based on his God. Yes. Okay? This kind of joy and happiness is, is not something we force as such, especially in those circumstances. Okay? Uh, Paul says in another letter of his that it comes from the Spirit of God. Okay? Through the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness. But not... Not only does it come from the Spirit, though, 
But as we said last time, um, we can actually help cultivate it in our lives. Okay? Uh, remember, we are being sanctified, and, and sanctification, if you remember, is God working in us and us joining him in that and doing something. Okay? We don't just sit down and wait for things to happen. <laughs> okay? Here's the thing, you know, we can choose to be miserable or joyful. Yeah. Did, you, did you know that? You can actually choose it. Okay? You've got to remember that we are saints. You know, God is working in us. We are not working alongside him. And we have a responsibility in how we act, think, and feel. We, we're responsible for that. Okay? We're responsible. Now, I'll be talking about some of the ways we can and should do this as we go through the letter in, in its, in its, you know, across the weeks. But uh, today, I'll, I'll focus on one aspect. Um, it's always good. So, so let's read some of Paul's letter. Let's actually dive in, okay? So, so, we, so we've read the greeting before. Um, uh, where's the greeting? And this is the greeting. It says, uh, Paul and Timothy, uh, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all of the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, after he says that, Paul then writes a whole paragraph full of just thanksgiving and praise of the Philippians. Okay? He goes, I give, I give thanks for my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. And you're all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Okay? It's very passionate. <laughs> you know, he's, he's really thinking about it. He really loves these guys. He's really thankful for these guys. If, 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 if you forgot that these guys are actually partners with him, they're, they're, they're helping him in his ministry, they're, they're working alongside him. They might not be with him, but they, they, they send him aid. And actually, they've just sent him Epaphroditus in order to encourage him and give him any help he can get, which he's also sending back with Timothy. But, but, um, but, but you know, and, and with gifts and stuff like that, anything just to help. So they're, they're partners. And he, and he absolutely loves and adores them. He later says it's not because he gets the gifts, he just, he loves them because of the work of Christ, okay? And, and this is, and, and, and this is it. And, and here's the thing. So, so this, this, this is it. So I'll just focus on one bit. I give thanks to my God for my every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. I feel as Christians, uh, in our prayers, we get very much locked into our requests of God. Uh, we're good at that. Yeah, we're good at asking, or telling, or demanding, or whatever. You know, it's it's easy to ask for things. Okay, and I'm not going to condemn that because you know what? It's good for us to do. The Bible tells us to to, to ask God for things. You know, Jesus encourages us. He says, um, "Where is it? Ask, ask, and it will be given to you. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Uh, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours." You know, even in his pattern prayer for us, which is, you know, the Lord's Prayer, which is kind of like our, our daily sort of, uh, not that we pray it word for word, but just our pattern, right? Um, he, 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 he included in it is to ask God of what we need. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need today, you know? So, so it's good to ask. It's not bad. It's good. 
And we have lots of good requests. Healing of a family member. We just prayed for healing uh, a moment ago. Uh, help in our family or the workplace. Salvation of a friend. Uh, financial support to pay the bills or get out of debt. Help to overcome sin or stay away from it. Um, protection from hostile people. We also have city requests as well, like a swimming pool or sauna in the back garden. That'd be nice. Heavenly hosts to clean the house. Amazing. And for remote control to pause the kids sometimes. That'd just be great. Or at least turn down the volume, right? So, you know, so we, we, we have lots of different requests. But here's the thing. Even when we get what we ask, and I still don't have that remote control, but even when we get what we ask for, very seldom do we thank him for it. Very seldom. Okay? It's usually, if at all, a quick cheers. You know, cheers God, and then we just move on to the next thing. Or sometimes we just get so upset with the prayers that are not being answered that we completely forget the ones he's already answered time and time again. And we, and we, and, and we get locked into this weird thing where we're saying, oh, you're not fair, you know, all this. And, and you know, we start, we start slating him for not being good, but he has already been good. And he's like, well, what are you on about? I did all this. <laughs> you know? Paul is saying that he thanks God every single time he even thinks of the Philippians. You know? And that in every single prayer he prays, he expresses his heartfelt gratitude of them with great joy. You know, it's just gratitude, just with great joy. It's funny, in our youth group with the teens, um, we use this guide uh, to, to teach them. And interestingly enough, it's, it's fallen on Philippians lately, which kind of helps me because I'm preaching it here as well. So it's just quite cool. But uh, we, we looked recently at um, this thanksgiving part of uh, Paul's uh, letter and um, basically we taught them how important it is just to be thankful to God right? and, and I think that's really important I mean sometimes we can just delay that you know we see thanks to God and we just go oh, where's, where's the meat of the scripture but that is part of the meat of the scripture you know um, and, and I think this is what we should focus on even at the end of the letter Paul says this he says in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving with Thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So you're still requesting, but it has to be with thanksgiving. But, you know, how, how, how often do we do that? <laughs> you know, how often do we pray that? How often do we remember something God has done for us and then give him our actual joyful and heartfelt gratitude? You know? Maybe you remember some stuff, but there's no real joy behind the memory. I get that sometimes, you know, oh yeah, I remember that. But you kind of, there's nothing, it's not really there, you know. You know, and here's the thing, our hearts, if we allow them, can just get so cold. They can, they, they can just become cold, to not even feel thankful. We can, we can get there, it's easy to do. Okay, and when we're like that, you know, may, maybe sometimes, maybe if I'm telling you now, you, you might feel like, oh, I'll, I need to say thank you for this, but you do it quickly out of guilt rather than uh, because you forgot to say anything rather than actual gratitude. Oh, yeah, oh, thanks God. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. But you know, it, this is so so important to do. It really is. You know what? <clears throat> my wife and uh, my wife and I pray with our kids every single night. And uh, we taught our eldest how to pray. She's three, for those who don't know. Three years old, Talia. And uh, the way we did it, and we did it this way, mainly to ensure she was listening and engaging, because otherwise she'd just be like, ah, and wander around the room. Like, oh, Talia, come, come here, come on, we're going to pray. So the way we did it and to engage her is we, we, we said, okay, you know, we, go, we say, what do you like today? That's what we do. We, we, we say, well, what do you like today? And she goes, oh, I liked, and then she'll go off, oh, I liked seeing... 
uh, grandma or granddad, or I liked, I liked playing with the caterpillar at um, preschool or whatever, okay? And, uh, and, you know, and then immediately we'll follow it with, okay, let's thank Jesus for it. Okay, so we pray. So, so she says, okay, thank you, Jesus, for my orange caterpillar, playing with it. Amen. You know, she'll do it like that. She'll be like, amen. You know, and, uh, and all, but in the meanwhile, Micah is just running around the room because he doesn't, he's too young and he doesn't really understand rolling around in his bed. We try and get the sim still. But the, but, that's, but the point is, that's what she does. Now, the other day, okay, so I, I said my, 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 my son Dominic's sick and he's caught it from Talia. That's what happens, isn't it, with kids, right? One comes home ill, they all, come, they all get ill and eventually I'm going to get ill. Great. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Heal me quickly, God. So, um, but the other day she was really, really sick, really sick. I went, I went into the preschool. I brought her home, um, and uh, we, we sat, we watched a movie, and then she just, she just fell asleep. So, I just, you know, took her upstairs, and uh, and later, later on, she, she she calls out to me about seven, half seven, whatever. She goes, Dad, Dad. And I told her, No, it's Daddy. It's Daddy, not Dad. You're too, you're too, you're too young. You don't say Dad yet. <laughs> Okay, you make me feel old. Okay, so 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 I go in and I'm like, well, what's what's wrong? What's wrong, honey? What's wrong? Okay, and she's like, we didn't pray to Jesus. Now, about now, here's the thing, though. We had prayed to Jesus already. So and, and we just I just prayed, you know, that, that she'd be healed and all of that. And um, and but but so I was like, oh, well, we did pray. So I was like, okay, well, I tell you what, I'll hold your hands and you pray, and I'll just agree with you. Since I don't know what I'm doing, so I didn't tell her that bit. So, so I was like, so I was like, okay, we'll pray. And um, and you know what the next thing she said was, she said, well, today I liked, and then she proceeded to say what she liked, thanked Jesus, and that was it. Okay, that is amazing. Okay, for a three-year-old to do. Here's the thing, you know, I had prayed with her for her health. But that was not enough for her. She wanted and needed to thank Jesus. Okay, she needed to. You know, it bothered her if she didn't. Okay, and, and this is an interesting thing because she wasn't thinking about her gain from God. She's just thinking about thanking him. You know? you know, for her, prayer is thanks, not what do I get. And that's great. That's brilliant. Um, you know, the Bible says we should learn from children, right? So, you know, we should be childlike in that approach. And here's the thing. When Jesus tells us to pray, back to the Lord's Prayer, he starts with, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, this is, this is praising God. He starts with praise. Your name is holy, you're glorious, you know. And there's so many things that can spill out from that. Thanks for this, thanks for that, you know. Paul, in most of his letters, if you look at the start of pretty much all of Paul's letter, he always says, I thank my, my God for this and for that and for you and all of that. And from this letter alone, I, I bet his own prayers, his own personal prayers just started that way anyway, just started in thanks. Okay? And here's the thing, thankfulness, I think I've got it written down actually. Did I write it down? Thankfulness is something that is often lacking, and yet it's the thing that sparks the most joy. Okay? There is actual happiness in remembering the good things that have happened. Why else do we take pictures and videos of stuff, you know, with our smartphones and our cameras, you know, uh, during the good times, if not to remember them? We must take them in order to remember them, right? We don't just take it for the heck of it. Well, maybe some people do. I don't know. But, you know, it's just, you know, I, I mean, the other day I was looking back on, on the, like, some pictures of Micah and whatever from when they were, like, a lot younger. I mean, they're, they're still young now, but, you know, a lot younger. And I was just like, my goodness, I was just smiling and, you know, all of that. It's just, I'm just so happy to see the memories of them. That's why we do that. We like good memories, Okay? It's just normal human behavior. 
Okay? And here's the thing. This is what MacArthur says. Uh, oh, there you go. Someone taking a picture of a good moment. This is what MacArthur says. He says, The heart where the joy of the Holy Spirit dominates is a heart that touches the sweet things of life, not the bitter things. It savours thoughts of others' goodness, others' kindness, others' love, others' compassion, others' gentleness, others' sacrifice, and others' care. And it forgets the rest. Forgets it. Okay? Church, here's the thing. We can choose what we focus on. We can choose. Uh, Thomas Hardy says, some people can find the manure pile in any meadow. Okay? You know, you, you can choose to focus on all the things that upset or disappoint you. You can. You know, you can choose, the, you know, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's hard. You know, sometimes you're, I'm not, we're not belittling circumstance here. That's not what we're doing, you know. Circumstances can be hard, but we can still, even then, you know, Paul had it really hard. Jesus had it even harder, and yet you can choose. It says that Jesus chose, he, he did it for the joy that was before him. He didn't focus so much on the pain. He focused on the goal ahead for him, you know. Paul is focusing on the joy before him as well, you know, in where he will go, in what God has already done. You know, here's the thing: you, you can choose to hold on to offence, onto bitterness, all the wrongs that have been done to you, everything that's upset you or disappointed you, everything that's hard, every every, every pain, every agony. You can focus on those things. Uh, you, you can focus again, like I said, on, on the wrongs, whether whether they're actual wrongs, whether someone's actually wronged you, or whether you sometimes we just perceive that someone's wronged us. You know what I mean? But in either case, you can choose to focus on those, or you can do what Paul does. You know what? At the end of his letter in Philippians, this is what he says. He says, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, when Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell on those things. Dwell on those things, not the other things, those things. Basically, we choose to think of the good rather than the bad. Okay? And if, if you do that, if you actually, if you do that, if we do that, you know, we'll start wondering where some of the grumpiness we carry around has gone some of the day. Like, oh, where's that gone? Oh, you know. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, a thankful heart is a joyful heart. Yeah. Okay? And notice also, and I, I, want, I, want, I want to rear this in, right? Okay? Reel this in, rather. Um, it's to God. Okay? Well, the thankfulness is to God. It's, he says, I thank my God. He's thanking God. Okay? What I'm saying here, and I, 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 I want to get this just in case, you know, this is not some new age think positive attitude that I'm bringing here. Okay? There's a lot of that. Okay? That is not this. That is not this. Okay? What we are doing is we are literally recognizing that every good thing comes from God. Okay? And focusing on those things and going before Him and expressing our heartfelt gratitude for what He has done be it that day or in the past. Okay? We're recognising what God has done. And we should be thankful. You know, how many times do you open a door for someone and they walk through it and they don't thank you? You're like, mm, welcome. You know? <laughs> when we do stuff, you want thanks. You know, that's what we do. That's what you should do. You know? It's thankful. We should be thankful to God. So let's look at some things that we should thank him for, I think. That would be a good thing. It sounds simple, but it's, it's, it's true. We need to focus on these things. So, answered prayer. Okay, answered prayer. There's a story in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And uh, basically, it's uh, where the prophet and judge Samuel 
is uh, they're rededicating Israel to God. They rededicate themselves. They've sinned. They've messed up again and again and again. They've sinned and they're coming back to God, and um, and they're repenting of their sin, their idolatry, and and in the middle of this 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 thing they're doing, um, they're attacked by the Philistines, their enemies. Okay, see, the Philistines see an opportunity, say, well, let's kill them. You know, um, Samuel prays to God. Okay. And God basically just delivers them by throwing the Philistines into this confusion and all that. And basically they run away and the Israelites run after them and whatever, and they defeat them. Uh, and uh, afterwards, after all that, Samuel got a stone. It says, actually, it's uh, in, yeah, I've got the verse here. It says, afterwards, Samuel took a stone and set it upright. And he named it Ebenezer, which in Hebrew means stone of help. And he explained, the Lord has helped us to this point. Yeah. So basically, he put a big rock in the ground to remember what God did that day. Okay, that's basically what he did, and and we sing that in a hymn. I don't know if you know it. You know, uh, here I raise. I'm not going to sing it. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by Thy great help I've come. It's come Thou fount of every blessing, right? And um, and here's the thing. Samuel did it so he could thank God for that moment again and again and again and again and never forget it. That's why he put it in the ground. There's no other reason. You know. You see a lot of that in the Old Testament scriptures when God does something, they, they erect a big stone or, or something or put loads of boulders around something or whatever, right? They do it to remember, okay? Do it to remember. Here's the thing. God wants us to be, he wants us to be thankful for what he has done, okay? And the great thing about thankfulness in answered prayer, okay, is that it leads to greater trust in future prayers, Amen. right? Right? Okay, I'll give you another story about Talia. Okay, so 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 so, so her nanny, uh, Nikki, who's as I said, she's got a really bad uh, back problem at the moment. She's um, well. The other week, um, uh, Nikki texted Tam that she had this really bad headache and she'd been having it. Literally, it was like strong for like two days, you know, and she's saying it's with her now and all of this. And anyway, so Tam tells Talia, okay, upon getting that text, and you know, and uh, and Talia wants to pray. Okay, so, so she prays, she asks uh, Jesus to make Nanny's headache better. Okay, and the minute after she prayed, no lie, her Nanny, Nikki, sent another text saying it's gone now. And she didn't know, she didn't know Talia had prayed, she just said it's gone. And here's the thing, Tam told Talia when she got that, she said, Nanny's better. Right? And she just lit up, she was just really happy right now every time she prays for nanny she goes is she better now <laughs> you know <laughs> she's better now that's brilliant but but here's the thing and we, we need to take note of this because it's really interesting right because she doesn't despair when it doesn't happen okay even after that event even now she's like every time she prays she thinks it's gonna it's gonna happen she she, she doesn't she's like no it hasn't happened yet it's like, okay you know she doesn't she doesn't get upset about that you know, she doesn't despair when it doesn't happen straight away. She's just thankful for the time that Jesus heard her. And so, here's the thing. She knows Jesus hears her. You know? And so she just trusts that he hears her every time, regardless of the immediate results. You know, she doesn't question God. She doesn't even think about it. You know? The Bible tells us, like I've said before, to have faith like little children. You know that, don't you? Right? And that's a brilliant example of, of what faith is. You know, to trust God regardless of whether we get it straight away or not. We're not spoiled brats, okay? That's not what we are. We are children of God, and he loves us, and he loves us enough to know when to give us things as well. And, and, and here's the thing. We should love him as a child who's just expectant, 
you know. And you know children, they, they just bug you for stuff. That doesn't mean to be mean, but you know, sometimes they'll ask for something, like, yeah, not now. And they'll be like, yeah, can I have it? But, yeah, but not now. Can I have it? Yeah, not now. And eventually you probably just give it to them anyway because you're tired of them asking. But even then there's a parable about that in the Bible. You know, God is good to you, but, you know, they don't question, the children doesn't, don't question the goodness. They just, they just you know... They know that you love them. They're just asking for something. That's how we should be. We shouldn't question the things that God doesn't answer. Let's look at the things that he does. So here's the thing. If God has answered your prayers lately or in the past, remember it. You know, write it down. Put a big stone, stone in your garden like Samuel did, if you want. You know, but either way, just, just, just find a way to remember it. You know, thank him for it. And not superficially, oh, thanks, you know, but, but really thank him. You know, remember, like, the, the fact that you needed that thing, the desire behind what you asked and, and what he did to fulfill it. Just remember it, you know. Do whatever it takes. Remember it in detail. Remember it however you remember it. Just remember it. And thank him. And here's the thing. Here's another interesting. If we are thankful for the prayers he has answers, answered, then we know that he hears us. And here's what the Bible says. It says, and if we know, know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked him for. Be it immediately or later. Okay? Thanking builds trust. Other, uh, other parts. Oh, sorry. General life. We should be thankful for basic things, basically. Right? Food and clothing. You know, our health and income to pay the bills, you know, when we have it. Uh, I, I should also note quickly as well that we should remember that we don't have any guarantee over a good life. Um, that's really important to know because there are lots of Christians who don't. You know, and it's not fair to say, oh, well, you don't have enough faith or anything like that, like some preachers preach, because that is just all wrong. It's all types of wrong. Okay? We don't have any guarantee. If you want, if you want, if you want a good uh, book on that, read Ecclesiastes. Okay? You don't have any guarantee over these things. And, uh, and so we should be thankful for everything we have while we have it because we could lose it and God will still be good. You know? And we should pray for those who don't have as well, by the way. That's just, that's just a side note. But, but otherwise, when we have these things, we should thank them. So food, clothing, health, incomes, pay the bills. Our, our family, friends, loved ones, homes... Uh, the air we breathe, and I know it kind of sounds like, but really, like you're alive. You know, a sunny day, the fact that you live in a country where your faith is tolerated and not persecuted, you know, and we should keep praying that it is as well, because there's a lot of stuff happening in our country that we should be praying about, you know. And, and as Christians, we should also be thankful for our faith, our hope in heaven. That's the best thing, that this is not the end, and we've got something better than this, you know, that all the rubbish that's happening to us is going to end. You know, uh, we should be thankful for growth in faithfulness and righteousness and where God has brought us to so far. You know, we should basically thank God for all the things he blesses us with that we don't ask for or think of, usually. Okay, we should be thankful for those things. That's all I have to really say on that. Lastly, and probably most importantly, is our salvation. In Greek, (coughs) sorry, In Greek, um, the word thank you is ephharisto, okay? And uh, when we anglicize it, <laughs> it becomes uh, eucharistio, which is where we get our word eucharist, okay? So thank you. So eucharist comes from thank you, okay? And um, for those who are unsure of what eucharist actually is, it's, uh, it's communion, 
Okay, I didn't know that either. I looked it up the other day. I was like, oh, that's what it is. So there you go. <laughs> Stuff I don't know that I probably should. Okay. And it's just, it's just taking the bread and the wine, okay? And, and here's the thing, you know, which we're coming up to, you know, communion, it's an act done in thankfulness for what God has done in saving us through the life and death and the resurrection of his eternal son, Jesus, the Messiah, our God. Yes? Yes? So, yeah. And here's the thing, in Acts... This is what it says about that. Oh, there you go. Eucharisto. Yes. Eucharisto, Eucharist. There you go. Stop doing what I want. There we go. This is what it says in Acts. Every day, all the believers, all the believers, devoted themselves to meeting together. They devoted themselves, so they did this regularly, to meeting together in the temple complex, so that would be kind of here, and broke bread from house to house. Okay? This is every day. We do it just on Sunday, but really every day they did this. Okay? Here's the thing. Communion is a daily action for them. Okay? What does that mean? That they were daily grateful for what Jesus had done. Okay? That's why we take communion, because we are grateful. Okay? To express our joy and our thankfulness. Okay? They were continually grateful for Jesus, what he had done on the cross, that they were forgiven, that they were made righteous, that they had eternal life, all because of Jesus. Okay, that is an amazing truth, by the way, church, that each and every one of us has. You know, you were destined for nothing. You were destined for the worst. And now you're not. Now you're destined to, you know, be with him. Everything's wiped away. Every sin that you have done, are doing, will do. You know. And you're made righteous, you know. It's all secured for you. Here's the thing. You know, if nothing else in life, if nothing else in life. There are some people who have some seriously horrible lives. If there is nothing else in life, we always have the truth of what Jesus has done for us. We always have that. Okay? We should always thank God for Jesus. Because here's the thing, if you're not thankful for him and what he's done and you lose sight of that wonderful amazing thing then you're going to just have a miserable life as a Christian. Because if you can't thank him for that, what can you thank him for? You know? God is amazing. So this, this comes to some, a hard question here, because this is, this is important. What if I don't feel like it? You know, amusing picture, but it's, it's a true question. Because a lot of us are like, well, you know. So, I mean, some of you now might be in a place where you just don't gladly thank Jesus for anything he's done. You know, and I'm not putting you down. That's just sometimes that's the state where we get to. You know, and, and, and you can acknowledge that, you've, you know, you acknowledge what he's done, but it doesn't really move you, you know. You know what I mean? You know, um, but the Bible says it should, you know. Joy and happiness are emotions, you know. They're, they're, they come within thankfulness. So, so, so here's the thing. What do you do if you're in that situation? What if, you are, if you're thankful, but you don't, you don't, it's not really there, you know. You're not really feeling it. Um, I say do what King David did. You ask. King David says, restore the joy of your salvation to me, you know, which obviously results in praise and thankfulness. Restore the joy of the salvation to me. Restore it. And then here's what we do. We start thanking him. <laughs> okay? Sometimes, is the thing, our hearts need warming up. It's kind of like your cars this morning, right? You know, a frosty day, you kind of need to scrape off the ice and heat up the engine and, you know, just pray it hurries up, you know? Um, 
you know, before the engine gets going and before you can see through the windscreen and all that. You know, I had to do that the other day, not on my car, I mean, my personal life. But, you know, I, I sat in the room, uh, in my room, and I was just coldly, I, my heart was cold. It's just, it's just the way it is sometimes, you know. You wake up in the morning, you're not always happy and joyful, you're just dead, you know. Uh, and I just coldly thanked, I just started coldly thanking Jesus for what he had done. And, and in the meantime, asking for him to stir me, you know, to, as well. I was like, I thank you, but I'm sorry that this sounds so cold. Please just help me. And you know what? Before long, I was singing joyfully and in tears and all sorts, you know? Okay? It takes a while. Sometimes you just got to stick at it. Sometimes you don't just go to it and oh, I don't feel like it. I walk off. You stick at it. This is something interesting from Neil T. Anderson. I didn't say the book. Uh, it was a book we studied as a church a while ago. Um, he says... Uh, you don't feel your way into good behavior. You behave your way into good feelings. Right? Okay? You don't sit there and wait for yourself to feel thankful, basically. You thank him regardless of your feelings, asking for, him, for his help to feel. And in doing so, you'll stir yourself to that feeling. Yeah? yeah. Sometimes we've just got to do it. I know that's, that's hard and that's not always good advice. You don't go up to someone who's... who's you know, like uh, depressed and something, and say, I'll oh, just get over it. That's, that's not helpful, <laughs> you know. But, but at the same time, you encourage them, you help them, and the end, the end result is we do have to do something. Come on, you know, we can help, you know. So, so, but, but that is it. We, 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 we have to do. You don't feel your way into good behavior, you behave your way into good feelings. Thank Him. And here's the result the result is a changed life, and even a changed attitude. Yeah. There are lots of films, I'm sure you can probably think of some of, it, some of them, uh, when, you know, someone, like a hero or whatever, they, they save someone or spare someone, and, 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 and that person who's saved or spared says something like, oh, I'm forever in your debt, my life is yours. You know, like, I don't know if you've seen Toy Story, where, 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 where the Mr. Potato Head saves the alien things, and they're like, ah, we're forever, eternally grateful, you know, and, and that's it, you can't get rid of them for, for then and the next movie, even, you know, and so, you know, <laughs> love those films, but, but here's the thing, you know, thankfulness isn't just something you say, it's not just something you say, it's, it's presented in the way we act. Okay, there's, there's a physical response, not just a verbal one. Okay, even, even, if, even if your verbal response is really emotional and verbal, that's great, that's, that's brilliant, that's what you want. But, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. When, when you've, when, here's the thing, you know, when you've gained it from someone, if you're a present, whatever, okay, if you're really thankful, usually you kind of want to return the favour, you know, I, I, you know, I... Sometimes I get, I, get, I get kind of upset because sometimes I just can't, you know, and I'm just like, oh, what do I do? But, but, this, it, but that's the thing. If, if you're able, you, you kind of just want to return it. Oh, they did me a favor. I want to, you know, I want to I help them out somehow. I want to show my appreciation somehow, you know? But here's the thing. God has spared you. God has spared you. He has saved you, okay? Here's the thing. You don't owe him a debt for your sins anymore. You don't owe him a debt for your sins, but you do owe him a debt of gratitude, <laughs> for being set free from those sins. You know, gratefulness should be poured out. You know? Our lives should be lived in complete thankfulness towards God. And our thankfulness is really vital because you know, not, not only do we get more, you know, um, <coughs> you know, uh, more hope in the prayers later on and all this other stuff, but you know, the more that you're thankful for what God has done, um, 
the more hope you have, what it will do for your future. And, and, and our gratitude and hope will spill out from this life of just thankfulness into a life of faithfulness and righteousness. That's where it leads. That's where it leads. It's always, if you look in the Bible, every time it says God has done something, or no, every time it tells you rather to do something, I'll do this. He always says therefore, he always says because of. And before that is always God has done this. So do this because he's done this for you. It's grateful. Come on, do something. Let's do this now then. If this is really true, if God has really saved you, if God really loves you, if God really does all this stuff for you, you know, then, then be this way. You know? It's gratitude. Life of thankfulness and gratitude turns into a life of faithfulness and righteousness. And, and here's the thing. We will happily and joyfully serve him regardless of the current situation because you're grateful. So... Twin church. Let us us not focus on what's bad in our lives, as we've gone over before. Let's not focus on it, because at the end of the day, everything's rubbish, everything's fading. Everything's fading. The good and the bad is fading. But as it says in Romans, Romans 12, change your minds. We're to change our minds. And you'll you'll notice that it says that we do that. Right? Change your minds. And as Paul says, focus on what is good. You know, let's thank God regardless of our current feelings or our situations in order to deliberately move into a place when we are genuinely thankful. You know, we're deliberately moving there. You know, and, and living lives full of joy. You know, because here's the thing. Joy is what God wants for you. You know that, right? You do know that, right? He's not boring and mean-tempered and a Scrooge and all of that, right? He's, he's not that God, you know? He loves us. And Jesus says that he came into the world uh, to us that we may have life and have it to the full. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, uh, let's live life to the full. That's a good thing. That's a joyful thing. You know, that sounds good to me. So here's the thing. Church, I, I, I want to I encourage you to do this. Okay, let us live lives marked by genuine thankfulness for all he has done so we can live lives full of joy like we're probably supposed to, like we are supposed to. Yeah? Yeah. Amen. Let us pray.